You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hey, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. This is Matt Tevy. I'm joined by Ben Sternke. We are two of the co-founding members of Gravity Leadership, and we are in a series right now on our missional theology axioms, and we kind of, we're, we're to axiom number five, I believe. We are. Is that right? Yep. And uh, I just want to hit a quick reset button. I know you've probably listened to the first four. If you haven't, that would be a good idea to do that before you listen to this one. All the axioms build on and incorporate the ones before it. So uh, they're not meant to stand alone, although I guess you could jump in here if you like to be confused. Yeah. And I mean, or this, outraged. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if it would uh, necessarily outrage you, but you could you could step in at this point and you know, just try to make sense of things. I take a bit of existential delight mm-hmm. knowing that some people might be outraged and yeah. confused by what I'm saying. Okay, that's good. Is, that, that's like, is this a safe space to make that confession? That's fine, that's or, fine. You can uh, talk about that. Okay, well, that, there's another axiom for that, I think. Yeah. Uh, but this axiom today, well, we'll get to that axiom. Axioms are simply uh, little syllogistic, pithy statements of wisdom that that are meant to take complex, maybe profound or mm-hmm. um, truths and make them simple without hopefully being reductionistic or simplistic, right? Right. So, uh, one of the axioms I thought of we hadn't mentioned in previous podcasts is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah. Which is an axiom that is meant to communicate uh, the the radius or diameter of a tree and how apples hit the ground really close to it. Right. Exactly. It's met. It's literal. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it means. Right? It's, it's the a, clear, plain sense. That's the plain sense reading of that axiom, Ben. <laughs> it's the literal, inerrant, 
reading of uh, you of heard that it axiom. Here. You yeah. heard it here first. No, yeah. so that what that means is basically, uh, and I'll share this maybe on this podcast. But my my son last night was having a really hard time being content and happy with the things he had, and uh, we'd gone to see a movie. We saw Peter Rabbit. Uh, if you like British humor, full of British humor mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah. And I like British. Humor. I was laughing at most of the jokes, and, and yeah. my son was uh, like blank faced. I don't think he got him, but he enjoyed the movie nonetheless. Yeah. He we did that together. Uh, we had popcorn together. Uh, he went to a friend's house, played basketball, and, and played PlayStation sixteen. However many PlayStations there are together, the latest one. And then we were watching March Madness together, and he was sitting on the couch complaining about the things he didn't get that day. Hmm. And I realized, like, I just completely I lost it. Like, I I lost it. I I actually yelled at my son and I yelled in a way that my wife was like you both need a timeout. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. So, uh reflecting on my wife on that with my wife later, I realized like one of the reasons why that bothers me so much mm-hmm. about my son, his inability to have gratitude and contentment mm. with how good his his life is amazing. Right. And like staring in the in the in the chasm of amazingness, all mm-hmm. he can do is complain that it's not there's no awesome in the amazingness. Right. Yeah. And I realized that that's me. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. The apple does not fall far right. from the tree. Right. And that's probably why it drives you crazy. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's exactly why it drives me crazy. Right. right. That's the way it is with all of us. So anyway, well, maybe we'll return to that little uh, story, that little... Yeah. I mean, to be clear, the apple doesn't far from, fall far from the tree is not one of our missional theology axioms. It's just an axiom. It's an example of an axiom and how they work. Maybe we should do this podcast on that axiom because I think <laughs> there's a lot for me. There's a lot, there's a lot in that. Probably <laughs> there is. Yeah, so yeah. an axiom then is is that, and we we introduce these uh, missional theology axioms as paradigms or constructs through which um, we think that Jesus saw the world and interpreted the world and lived in the world, mm-hmm. and so they're not they're not meant to be new, mm-hmm. they're not even, they're not meant to be um, radical in in sort of a um, avant garde way, but rather they're meant to bring us back to the scandalizing. Uh, paradigms that Jesus inhabited the world in as the most fully true human who ever lived. And uh, and some of the reasons why I think in like late modern 20, 21st century Christianity, we have lost sight of these constructs. So it's not that we don't understand them, but we've forgotten how to see the world through them. Right? Yeah. And incidentally, that that's why they're important for our discipleship as well. This is why we start our, our coaching... Um, Gravity Leadership Academy, we start our coaching with these axioms because they're foundational for our discipleship. If we're going to live into uh, Christ-likeness, if we're going to become more like Jesus, uh, we need to learn how to see the world like Jesus saw it Yes, and and sort of operate uh, within the constructs that he was operating in. Yes. And so th- this is kind of where we begin our training. Yeah, because oftentimes people need these things named for them because they've intuited them. And oftentimes people need to be confronted with them because their operating system, called op, this is another metaphor, their mm-hmm. operating system can't run the Jesus program because <laughs> the code at the, at the the ones and zeros are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, just to recap, uh, the first the first paradigm, God is always present and at work. God, mm-hmm. God doesn't show up, we wake up. There's places and instances where God is more fully present than others, but he is always present and at work. So that means we can begin right where we are in our discipleship, in our in our sanctification, yeah. in our formation to become more like Christ. Number two, God is like Jesus, and there's no unchristlikeness in him at all. 
I was talking to somebody who was had listened to our podcast, and they said, you know, this is tough because all the four things you mentioned in that podcast about how God is is not what God is not like, right? God right. is is not a demanding judge. God is not a a, a deterministic the, control freak, right? Right. The the doting grandpa, right? You know all those right images. He said it's it's hard because God is all these things, but he's not just them. And I realized like that's not how I think about it. No. So so even hmm. even the way this person heard what we were talking about, he, he said, well, all those are incomplete pictures of God, but you need to put the doting grandpa and the deterministic micromanager and the demanding judge uh, and the distant deity. You got to put them mm. all together. And if you put them all together, that's who God really is. Mm. And I, uh, at, the t- at the moment, I just was so stuck in my head. That happens to me sometimes. <laughs> I get lost. I didn't, have a, I didn't have a chance to respond to him. But that's not... So don't hear what we weren't saying. Right. We're not saying uh, one plus two plus three plus four right. equals... You have to add them all together. It's not an amalgamation. No, no. This isn't a bricolage God. How you like that? Uh, we just used the words bricolage <laughs> and amalgamation within five <laughs> seconds of each other. Yeah. Well, maybe we just lost like 25 25 listeners. people. Yeah. They unsubscribe immediately. Yep. No, it's not. We're not putting... It's not a... We're, this isn't sort of a... Uh, divine pastiche where you, you you paste all these things together and you get a God. But right. rather, rather uh, Jesus, uh, when we start with Jesus, and we let Jesus define who God is, and we don't take anything off the table that we see in Jesus of, well, that's just Jesus being a human, <laughs> as though we can as though we can define and determine what is divine apart from Jesus, and then hold that over Jesus and suss out what is human and what is divine, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, <clears throat> if we do that, then he helps us understand those parts of Scripture where God seems like a demanding judge. What's really going on there? Right. Where yeah. Those parts of Scripture where God seems distant and detached and uninterested. What's really going on there? Right. Right? So Jesus is our hermeneutical key to understand. It's not that Jesus is like, yeah, he's a distant deity, and he's a doting grandpa. Like, yeah. he doesn't bring them together. He, he helps us realize... He helps us realize what was actually happening in there, uh, in, in these in these pictures where we interpreted a doting grandpa, in these pictures where we interpreted yes. a demanding judge. Which is, by the way, this is the like the univocal proclamation of the New Testament, right? In the past, we had these other. Convince me of this, Ben. Go. In the past, you know, <laughs> God spoke through in many ways, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But now we have His Son, and so there's this clear. He is the full representation. Of who God is. This is uh. the beginning of Hebrews. Yeah. Like, this is what the New Testament proclaims over yes. and over. The f- first part of John yes. is the same way. And so it's almost like in the past, we didn't have direct access to God. We saw through, it's almost like we saw through a veil dimly, Ben. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like our, we, that's, our, a good, that's a good phrase. Let's write that down. Right. <laughs> I'm going to write, I'm going to write something about that. No, it's almost like we couldn't see God directly. Like we, ha- we saw him, we saw him th- dimly, like yeah. through a darkened glass, and so some of our conceptions of who God were, were lacking, or insufficient, or or perhaps even wrong. Right. Right? Right. So, uh, so this is fully biblical, right? And it's fully Christocentric to say these things, but it disrupts the way we usually make sense of, for instance, uh, those parts of God that we're embarrassed to talk to our kids about. Yeah. Or unbelievers about. Right. Right. Yeah. So God so is like Jesus. It can be scary. All right. We're we're still in the review. And I we're know. Like Got to get through nine this. minutes into All this right, podcast. Maybe Let's, maybe this is just a review episode. I don't, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, God is like Jesus. Third, uh, God is so real; He most fully meets us in reality. Uh, this this axiom was essentially what we wanted to communicate 
uh, whether we did or not uh, <laughs> is still up for debate. But we wanted to communicate is that we we live our lives on the exteriors and the margins of reality. We live mm-hmm. distracted. We live distanced. We live denying who we are and where we really are. Uh, and some of it is due to the fact that um, uh, we, we aren't present. We aren't fully present where we are. And some of it is due to the fact of uh, part, sin help, wants us to hide and not, not fully reckon with who we are. Yeah. Right? We want to we hang out in trees and behind fig leaves mm-hmm. and, and try to catch glimpses of God, but not, not be fully seen, fully known. Yeah. And so this is, this is about how like, God, is, God will meet us in our falsity. But when he meets us there, he's calling us into yeah. reality. Yeah, he's saying, Let, "Let's talk about what's real. Where are you? Right. You know, come, like come out here, and then like, what have you done? Talk, talk to me about what actually happened. This is the you know Genesis three. Exactly. Yeah. So like last night when I lost my biscuit on my mm-hmm. nine year old, mm-hmm. and my wife was like, "You need a timeout, young man." To both of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I had to, what I had to reckon with is where I wanted to meet God was in my son's disobedience of being content. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I wanted sort of some justification and rationale for my anger yeah. that you aren't, you aren't, you aren't appreciating how good of a dad I am right now. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, totally. Um, and I wanted God to meet me in justifying how angry I was at, because my son was being obstinate and yeah. obdurate. That's yep. probably the best word for what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what but my wife helped me see was that no, where you really are is you really are dealing with your own shame. This is you offloading your shame of how you really are, mm-hmm. and you're projecting it onto your son. Yeah. And he doesn't deserve that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so then what it looked like for for me to meet God where I really was was to go into my son's room last night and confess to him that that's what's happening, mm-hmm. ask his forgiveness. And then, and then proclaim some good news to him about his worth and how he he's not he doesn't deserve to be treated like that. Yeah. Oh man. And then I did that again this morning, and he was like, "Dad, shut up! I'm trying to read." <laughs> so I get it. Maybe it was more important <laughs> for me than it was for him. But that's that's uh, what we mean by God yeah. being so real. He meets us where we really are. Yeah. All right. And, and we yeah. mean other things by that too. But let's keep moving. Uh, and then, uh, we did we do this one? Axiom, Axiom four. Pretty God sure cares did. about it more than we do. Pretty sure. Does that did. sound familiar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is just simply. Uh, there's uh, often uh, Ben. There's a high achievers among us. Mm-hmm. People who are highly competent, yeah. high achievers. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they're called Type A personalities. Right. And we are used to getting things done and making things happen mm-hmm. in the world. And when when we can't make uh, mission and discipleship happen the way we idealize it, mm-hmm. we often despair. We often get frustrated. Yep. We often get uh, like really cranked up, irritated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the one of the things that we notice in Jesus's life is that he lives in the freedom and permission that God is present at work, and he cares more about the yeah. people he wants to reach than he does. Yep. So he's able to let people walk away sad right. because he knows God cares more about them than he does, mm-hmm. and that and that he it's not up to him. To make the rich young ruler repent, like he doesn't take that upon himself as something that he has to accomplish, but he holds out the kingdom reality yeah. and lets this person choose yes or no. Yeah. There's a, so there's a great freedom and a release of mm-hmm. pressure, right? Right. That comes when we right. we're able to trust God cares about yeah. this more than me. Right, but it doesn't offload our own. So I'm thinking about Jesus uh, weeping over Jerusalem, right? So I think the other, the for me anyway, the temptation, if God cares more about it than I do, my then 
my other temptation is to like s- step back yes. and say, well, forget this. Yeah. You know, s- you know, uh, right. You know, go to apathy, the- go to apathy. Or- right. Right. I didn't, I didn't like a rich young ruler. I didn't want a rich young ruler anyway. Yeah. Who needs that? Rich yeah. Guy? I don't care. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's not what Jesus does. He holds this tension. He holds this space of saying, I know that God cares more about Jerusalem than I do. Um, which, you know, I mean, it's kind of a weird, I mean, it's kind of an inter-Trinitarian <laughs> conversation there. Yes. But... Uh, Can you explain how that happens? <laughs> um, but what Jesus is doing in weeping f- over Jerusalem is doing... Uh, I mean, sometimes our discipleship leads us into that place where that's w- that's all we can... We can't make something good happen, so we weep. Yes. We weep. Rather than shut off our heart. Because I know that for me, shutting off my heart is is the other temptation. Yeah. Besides caring so much so that I want to control things and make things happen. Either I take the pressure upon myself to be God, yep. or I shut my heart down and just stop caring. And just stop caring. Those right. are the ditches we fall into. Right. Right? Yeah. And what Jesus models for us is a, a fierce trust that God is present at work, that the mm. God who's present at work is uh, fully, fully love, yeah. right? And, yeah. that, uh, and that he can... F- and then Jesus is free then to feel disappointment... Or yeah. elation, right? Right, without taking on himself more responsibility than God's given it. Yeah, yeah, right, totally. And that's what that's what we learn. That that's walking, you know, in the way of Jesus. That's what's what we learn from him. Now, sometimes people sometimes people hear these axioms or these these realities, and their response is, "Well, yeah, but Jesus was God, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm not God, right? Right? So yeah. they they sort of they sort of say, yeah, that's true, but.'" And you hear this a lot. People talk about Jesus was just playing the God card there. Right. Right? Right. Uh, maybe he sees the reality of Judas's heart and says, what you need to do, do quickly. Or mm-hmm. he, he, he sees all these people really excited about him at the end of John 2, mm-hmm. and they believed in him. But for his part, Jesus didn't believe in them because he knew the hearts of men, and he, he wasn't going to entrust right. himself to right. them. And they say, well, yeah, this is where Jesus played the God card. And this might be scandalous. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it is. I don't know but either. but let's just de- I'm gonna I'm just gonna declare this and then mm-hmm. you can tell me why I'm wrong. I don't I think that Philippians chapter two exactly unequivocally states that Jesus chose repeatedly not to play the God card. That's right. I'm not gonna disagree. I'm not gonna tell you why you're wrong. Come on, I agree dude. With that. It would make such a better podcast if you would just if you disagree <laughs> no, with totally, that. If you disagree, I totally with, that, agree with it. Yeah. If you disagree with it, just email Ben at Ben at gravityleadership.com. <laughs> no. So he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't consider his divinity as something to be exploited and used, right? But he offers it. He lays it down. Mm-hmm. He's he's a self. He's a kenotic. The Greek word there is kenosis or self-emptying. He's emptied himself of his divinity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and uh, I think one of the things that we still have to reckon with is how self-emptying divinity is the clearest example of what divinity is that we have. Yeah. Yeah. We still haven't reckoned with that. And what yeah. I, I mean, but I mean me, I mean, I mean you and I. Yeah. But I also mean like the Christian church. Totally. Like we I mentioned this last time. Like we, we still fashion the god Yahweh as like some Zeus god holding mm-hmm. thunderbolts sitting on yeah. clouds zapping people. We think of kenosis as a temporary situation. Kenosis meaning the like self-emptying. A strategy to get to the cross. Right, right. It was it was a temporary situation for Jesus to solve a problem that the Trinity had. Like, oh gosh, no, what are we going to do now? <laughs> you know what? One of us has to empty ourselves. 
Who's it going to be? And then they drew straws. No, they, were be- they rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> rock, paper, scissors. Okay, it's the sun. Okay, you, you know, you, you need to be born. And But no, that, that what, what Christ is revealing is not a temporary situation to solve a problem. Christ is revealing that kenosis, which is the self-emptying, and cruciformity, which means going to the cross, are the, f- are the fullest revelation of who God is. Yes. That's what God is. That's who God is. Yes. He is kenosis. He is... Uh, the, the the crucifixion shows us that, and and that wasn't able to be seen by uh, the Israelites in the wilderness, for instance. Right. Like well, could... not even the disciples. It, like this was a total mystery <laughs> yes, yes. until the resurrection. They yes. were like, "Wait a second, wait a," you know what I mean? But even then, even then, it wasn't. I mean, even I mean, then, it took were... hundreds of years, right, of, of reflection to to really come up with. Pro- this. Probably, I mean, yeah. like even even in the uh, the Matthew twenty eight, the Great Commission, the thing that gives me so much hope and and helps me remember as I'm investing in people and discipling people, keeps me patient and humble in what I can accomplish. Is you know, in that Matthew twenty eight passage, we're told that they're on the mountaintop and they worshipped, and we're told some doubted, right? Some doubted. And uh, there weren't that many people there, right? <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know. I, we don't have you a count. probably could have named them. We don't have a count. Yeah. Because uh, they didn't take tickets, so we don't have receipts. But I I think, you know, maybe 100 people, maybe 70, mm-hmm. right? And, and some of those people doubted. So there's a sense in which this was such a a paradigmatic uh, mind, it was like a complete mind blow mm. for for the people of, of the day. Yeah. And it still is for us. I think yeah. I think we recruit God into our own constructs and systems yeah, totally. of about who he must be and, and things and things like this, that God cares about it more than me, that that, that doesn't mean I, I can that God takes control and I employ God to take control of things, but there's a kenosis and a cruciformity at the heart of God that Jesus reveals. Man, it feels like we just discovered that mine and we haven't plumbed its depths at all. Yeah, what it totally. means to witness. Yeah, and it and it affects our leadership and our discipleship in in so many ways. Because I and and this gets into our, the axiom we want to talk about today as well, in the sense that um, I think so much of our imagination about what it means to lead others is not canonic or cruciform. The the way that we think about leading others, we kind of default back into okay, now I'm going to try to control situations and make things happen and influence people, and you know, like we we all of a sudden have these control strategies yes. that take over. Yes, not really believing that God cares more about it than we do. Like you know what I mean? Like we easily abandon the the framework that Jesus operated in when it's time to like uh, you know, okay, now it's time to get to work. All right, I got to plant a church, and then we just resort back to strategies that are rooted in... and control things. Right, right. I'm trying to make something happen here, rather than, okay, well, how did how did Jesus do this? Yeah. And and, how do I lead in a canonic way? Yeah, right? and I just want to say this, too. We might not get to this axiom. This might just be like a uh, intermission, yeah, like maybe. a summary intermission podcast. Because yeah, I just be. want to... Sh- like, uh, Ben and I are planning a church, uh, the Table Indy, and we have tr- tried to plant this church, not with a huge launch and some sort of three-year strategic plan and number goals and financial goals, mm-hmm. uh, but rather with tending to God's presence, gathering on the grace we're seeing, uh, looking for persons of peace, moving towards them uh, prayerfully, and in this canonic way, when when things don't happen that we want to happen, not not using our own personal force or will to make them happen, right. we can be pretty persuasive. Yeah. Uh, more or less, we can throw weight around. You know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of just... Uh, privilege and power and resources, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's stinking hard. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't this isn't like the easier way. This isn't sort of like once you do this, 
then you're just tiptoeing through the tulips right. with Jesus, and yeah. you know what I mean? It's one yeah. big Michael W. Smith song every day. Right. Or like a hippie commune. No. Everybody's happy. No. It's, it's, it's really hard. It's really yeah. hard. Uh, but I was talking to hmm. a, a member of our church a couple days ago, and I was trying to describe this dynamic that God cares about it more than we do, and so we, we then as leaders inhabit what we call a mutual submission, mutual submission posture, right? Uh, communal discernment. So mm-hmm. one of the articles I'm writing now for Gravity Leadership is about how we have this idea of top-down leadership, like a hierarchical kind of command and control leadership. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if you have a benign dictator up there, it can go all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but as soon as, uh, you know, p- absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so unaccountable, pow- like people with lots of power, they end up using and abusing people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then a lot of people react to that by kind of a flat leadership, just a democracy. Nobody's right? a leader. Nobody really owns their leadership. We kind of go with the flow, like the lowest common denominator yeah. sort of yeah. wins. And uh, he was just reflecting on how like he's been a part of both those communities and how hmm. they're rubbish. They, right. they they just don't work. Yeah. And I was describing how like what we're trying to do is not in that spectrum. It's not in that binary. But we're looking to lead from a center out perspective, uh, primarily because that's the best language we've got to describe the leadership that Jesus seemed to inhabit yeah. and model, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm, t- I'm telling him the story of, um, of how we would discern something that he went through at a previous church, and he just starts weeping. Mm. Like he just started crying. Yeah. And he was like, that's so beautiful. Like, and I'm like, yeah, it is beautiful. And as I'm telling like, how we would lead through this, mm-hmm. right, I'm thinking, I, I'm not even sure I have the character yeah. In the moment to lead like this. Right. Like I, I have no idea. Like that's the vision. The vision is is to lead like this. I'm yeah. not sure if I'm able to do that yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm committed to becoming that kind of right. person. Right. It takes it takes a tremendous amount of character to le- to lay down what you want because there's so much at stake for us. You know, like if we're going to plant a church and we want to, you know, control and coerce in order to make this happen, there's tons of stuff that's at stake for us in that, right? We've got our livelihood that's at stake, right? Yes, our living. Our living is at stake here. And so that that feels like, well, man, that's that's really hard to let go of. Yep. That's really hard to trust God with. Yeah. Um, there's our significance, our sense of like, you know, am I am I a significant person? That's at stake in a lot of these things. And yeah. that's really hard to, to trust God, you know, when he says, I, you know, I've adopted you as my child, so therefore you are significant. We've also got a sense of belonging that is that's at stake for us in this. Like if I don't if I don't create community here, then, you know, what am I going to do with my loneliness? What am I going to do with, you know, how I feel about, you know, not having any friends and all of that kind of stuff? So, yes. so it, it does, it, it, leading in this way, it, it brings us back to the cross again and again and again, where Jesus says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Will you take another step? Yeah, so then God cares about it more than we do. Isn't, isn't just a... a um isn't just sort of a, a mirror of God's good all the time and all the time God is good. Right. Or let go and let God. Yeah. Rather, it's like, it's this invitation to work out your salvation with fear and trembling mm-hmm. as you embrace the cross and empty yourself. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, it's not easy. No. It's not easy. No. Um, and and it feels like, at least in our church plant, where we're actually in working these things out with fear and trembling, uh, it feels precarious. It feels dangerous. Mm. And like when you have a particularly stressful week mm-hmm. where a lot of the bad news at work in your life is confirmed or not challenged by good news, yeah. like you end up losing your biscuit on the couch watching March Madness <laughs> with your nine-year-old. Because you're, you know, <laughs> right. there's... There's all this pent-up 
all these things that are at stake for you that you haven't named. Yeah. You know, that get you know they get built up. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which and this uh, this did end up being a, a review or you know intermission. I don't episode. know. I think. I think there's so many things to say about each of these axioms. Yeah. And uh, just recapitulating them here and like talking about some of the responses and reactions I've been mm-hmm. hearing people share. Uh, it's been really helpful for me, Ben. <laughs> That's why we do this. <laughs> no, but uh, it does connect with our next axiom, which will be the next episode. Um, because if God cares more about this than we do and we can trust him and he's, he's good... Um, then uh, our, our next axiom, little uh, preview, is that the things that God does through you are the same things that he does in you. Yeah. And so uh, this connects because uh, as leaders, oftentimes our imagination is that the way we lead is by doing something to somebody else. Influence. I'm going to try to get these people to change and do something different as though we were outside the system, as though we were not participating in the life of a community ourselves, yes. as though leadership was something that is completely distinct from being like participation in a community. But rather, uh, the transformation that we want to see happen in our community through our leadership is also the transformation that God is going to do through us, in us. He's going to do it in us. So the leader ends up being, we'll talk more about this uh, in our next episode, but the leader ends up being the most transformed person in the whole uh, system. Yes, and not before you become a leader, but leadership is the crucible in which you're transformed. Right. The, the, uh, the role, the responsibility, I'm not going to say office because I don't like that word when we describe leaders, the role and responsibility, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, uh, the calling of being, the vocation of being a leader yeah. is the crucible in which your character is formed. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so we'll talk about that more next time. Uh, this little excursus, this little we, we did we did a detour here mm-hmm. on the on the way through these axioms. I think hopefully it was beneficial. Story of our lives. <laughs> Story of our lives. Yeah, each chapter starts with and the next detour. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, we hope uh, this is helpful for you. Thanks for joining us today. If as always, we want to hear from you. Uh, so please contact us. At, is it podcast? In podcast at gravityleadership.com. Yeah, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future episode. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful in our work as local pastors and practitioners of discipleship and mission. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.